Jen Bosworth Ramirez. And I'm Gina Polici. We went to theater school together. We survived it, but we didn't quite understand it. 20 years later, we're digging deep, talking to our guests about their experiences and trying to make sense of it all. We survived theater school, and you will too. Are we famous yet? Hello, 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 survivors. What's up? How you doing? Please answer that question, even though I can't hear you. I like to imagine everyone checking in, even if it's just mentally. I, for one, am surviving, but I did not want to come back from my vacation. I had a great vacation. I'll be talking all about it in the next episode. Uh, But I, I didn't want to come back and... You know, and it's because I went on vacation that we are not airing a brand new episode this week, but instead we are looking back at a previous episode. I'm going to say it's a hidden gem. Not that nobody listened to it, but that I don't know that it totally got the, quite the play that it should have. It's a great conversation with two fantastic actors. The second reason is they both have so much going on right now. Dave in particular you know, he just came off of Dune and Suicide Squad. He's got a bunch of other things in production right now, including things that he's written. I don't know what is public knowledge or whatever, so I'll just leave it at. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and John is in every commercial. <laughs> I mean, literally, I feel he is in all of the commercials. So he's very busy with his life and his career. And also, he was in Dope Sick, which if you haven't seen it, you really should. It, it, it is both an excellent and well-made piece of television, as well as an important piece of television. Um, those Sackler people, man, fuck those guys. Ooh, disgusting. Anyway, they were delightful. I, we could have talked for two hours. Uh, maybe one day we'll get a chance to do a part two. But I just thought it would be nice to take a look back. I am not including the first part of the episode, the our usual intro and let me run this by you because it's pretty old at this point. But if you want to listen to that, the original episode is still up as is. Anyway, please enjoy our conversation with David Esmolshin and John Hugenaker. You got to call her up again and ask her to do her we will. Right. It's uh, we will. epic. All right. I'm going to make a note of that right now. Um. <laughs> anyway, congratulations, John and Dave. You survived theater school. Yes. I mean, barely. no, not barely. You guys, I think you both had excellent theater school careers, but I'd like to hear it from you. Yeah. We just experience. I'm so glad you're our first duo that we've had on today, so, <laughs> the Fancy Friends. And I I wanted to um, know about your experience, like, together as well as apart. But, like, my first question for you is, did you love each other right away? I don't I don't know, John. Did you? <laughs> well, no pressure. It took me a I'll while. It took me a while Gina, to warm I, up to... I've known Gina the longest. And, by the way, it's so good to see you. It's only been... 20 years I know, um, I know. like this. I mean, we've, we've messaged and emailed a lot, but Jesus, this is amazing. Oh my God. Uh, so I was roommates with Gina and we were very close. And then I left school for a year. And so the school moves forward. Jen, you and Gina were in the same grade. You guys all moved forward. 
And when I came back, it was a whole new group of people to get to know. And John um, was one of the first people that I knew when I got back. So I felt very out of place and um, it was hard to come into because it's such a competitive environment and it's such a um, intense environment. And I was both competitive and intense. So to jump into the the fire with a whole new group of people to kind of it's hard because you're posturing, you're sizing up, but at the same time, you're looking for connection, you're looking for support, and it's it's such a conflict. And John, I'm not going to get emotional today, I swear to God, but was like one of the first people that extended such a, a kind, generous, he's got that, that, that inimitable I'm a cuddler. sincerity, which is what makes him such a brilliant actor, but he had that like look me in the eyes in class and like, hey, he has a little bit of a draw. Like, I'm really excited you're here and I want to get to know you and I hope we get to work <laughs> together. And then we went and hung out at his apartment soon after that and maybe smoked something. This is recorded. Sorry, John. And then we watched Star Wars stuff together and that was our bond. So that's my version of the story. What's your version, <laughs> John? Um no, God, we we had a lot of fun. I, I have old pictures of you and I and Aisha and uh yeah, and snuggling. Um snuggling and which I'm gonna send you guys. Um Yes, please do. But uh yeah, we uh geez, I just remember uh I remember Dave's um ebullience from day one, his like drive and his and his positive energy and I think um that is the thing that that has that has been such a um, such a driving force in Dave's career um, is that he just never stops. It comes down to energy and positivity, and he's constantly pumping that into the world. And I think Dave has known for many many years that it you know that that kind of stuff comes back to you. Um, and I think I was drawn to that in Dave, uh, yeah, from the giddy up. But did you also recognize somehow that he needed you to take on that stare you in the eye and, and tell him you want to get to know him vibe? Did you know that he felt overwhelmed coming back? Uh, I, I think from my perspective, the thing that drew Dave and I to one another was a sense that you know, in the theater school it, at the time that we were all there it was such a, um, there was so, uh, it was a lot of mind fuckery going on. And there was a lot of, um, I think a lot of us in the acting track, especially, I know this was the case throughout the school, wanted um, positive reinforcement from teachers. And sometimes I think my perspective was that people were manufacturing emotions and things to achieve that positive reinforcement. And Dave uh, just seemed to be Dave to me, which I really, really uh, enjoyed and appreciated. And um, yeah. And so I think that was, uh, that was, um, it was, it was Dave's, um, his, his sort of genuine vibe that, that I was. I think both of you, when I've run into you, I mean, you know, I don't, I live in California now, but I've seen you like at PR and Dave, I ran into you once at a Starbucks in Chicago. The genuineness is unbelievable. So I, I think you're both fancy and I'm sort of star, starstruck, but I, but when I, but there is this sort of, both of you have this sort of face to face, like look you in the eye, 
I'm going to have an actual conversation with you. And I think that makes you not only great, great actors, but what's more important to me is great human beings. And I, um, I don't know. I'm just so glad you, you guys found each other and that you're friends. Thank you. Like, Thank you. you know, that's how I feel about being you. Yeah, that's how I feel about being the, the work and outside of our mutual passionate love for the theater, acting, film, um, storytelling, character creation, cinema history, literature, like John and I did kick it off immediately with a lot of, of um, you know, kindred kind of passions for things, which we all shared because we all were in that 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 vortex um and obviously we were drawn there because we had a passion for this stuff but um you know i've been through uh the ringer in my life outside of my acting career as well and 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 john was always one of the first people to show up and be there for me when i needed someone as well which was you you're not taught that in the it, again this is about surviving the theater school you're taught um that you're in the ensemble family mode during rehearsal and it felt like kind of um, during a production, but then it was right back to, you know, this really intensely bizarre, like John, I mean, there's no better, I guess, adverb than mindfuckery of, um, and, and it was, it was, um, I'm very grateful. Um, and many great true friendships came out of that time because when you go through something that intense and that trying, but we, um, we, we, I would love to tell a quick story if I can, because we were kind of, we weren't kind of, we were absolutely fuck ups. We were in trouble a lot um, because it's no mystery that I had a pretty intense substance abuse problem in college and John had a pretty serious attitude problem in college. And uh, neither of us dealt well with authority, although we loved being directed, which has always been a paradox with us. Like we love great directors that get in and like help guide us and shape things. But at the same time, we are the first people to, you know, get our backs up sometimes. And I, um, and I remember John and I were so frustrated that some of the people like he, he, there was this, this feeling of like posturing or presentation that always felt inauthentic to us. And we wanted, you know, we're in Chicago. We want to rub real dirt on our faces and smash glass. And we're going to get in there and, and we were doing a, a, a scene together from um, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross for um, second year uh, scene study work with Joe Slowick. And it was so intense. It was the Moss Aronau scene at the Chinese restaurant. John is just needling into me to like, you're going to, you're going to get in on this heist or I'm going to ruin your life. And we loved, like, we got into that so much. And it was all space work and we're in generally John and I were in, I was either in rave clothes or John was in some tie dye Bob Marley thing. And, um, and so we had this big special guest coming to the theater school who was going to do a scene study uh, workshop. And it was F Murray Abraham. And um, I'll never forget. We were also excited, big fans. We go, they did it at a separate location on campus. And it was where it was where That's we right. had yes. history of dramatic yeah. lit, I think. Where uh-huh. nobody cheated. And he um <laughs> he goes he blew through the scenes that he was working on so quickly and he was getting frustrated. Like, stop with the bullshit, stop with the, the presentation, like let's work these. And he was also he was also like not giving like he would give a really incisive note and yeah. then he'd be like all right now fuck off and do better in life <laughs> yeah and that was he, it he, he, he didn't want over preparation he wanted this to be like a malleable play-doh-y kind of moment where we could. 
So we were not part of that event. John and I were just sitting in the back row, probably like, just like, whoa, this is so cool, dude. Like, that's a Maria Maria doing seats. And he looked to the crowd. He's like, is that all you got? Because they had prepared, I don't remember, four or five scenes for him to work on. Yeah, it was like, it was like, well, it was like two from each classroom. And and then we had like a break and the teachers were kind of looking around at each other oh, like, well, that's shit. all I had. And Dave, that's all I yeah, got. Dave, you went. Uh, yeah, Slowick turned to me and John and Slowick goes, you guys, and I was like, can we do it, John? Can we do it? And John's like, yeah, let's do it. We had no prop prepper. Everyone else is in costumes and they've got their props. And John and I hopped up with, uh, we, we made do, right? We got a bottle that we borrowed from someone else's scene. Yeah. Some cups. Um, and we jumped up there and we did this. We did this scene where F. Murray had recently done the piece or he was familiar enough with it that he could kind of jump in and, and do it with this. But I was so proud that day of, even though I knew what F ups we were, and even though I knew that I was, I knew that the work we were putting into and the discipline and the, and the, and the love we were putting into building these characters together and how much we loved playing off one another was, I knew in that moment, this is something I'm going to do with this guy for the rest of my life. And sure enough, we've gone on to do films, two films together outside of school. We continue to collaborate. Um, I knew in that moment though, I was like, this guy, I'm holding on to him for the rest of my acting life. Dude, I want to, I want to jump in because that was such a, that was, first of all, it was, it was an amazing experience. And we were like, we were like greyhounds just ready to run. And, and we were also, we didn't realize that. So I'm going to, we talk about surviving the theater school. I don't know where to start, but more importantly, I don't know where I should stop. So you guys got to shut me up. (laughs) Um, So, so uh, I ran, I got that bottle from my roommate who drank Jameson like all the time. So I ran across because we were in Seton Hall, not Seton Hall, but uh, Sanctuary. Yeah. And I got the bottle and I came back and Dave and I were getting ready and we do this, we do the scene. And I knew, we knew that F Murray was going to just like give us a note and, dismiss us so he gave us this note and the the one thing was i had been breaking up this paragraph that i was given to dave you know kind of feeling my way through it and kind of schmacting and he was like you know this david mamet gives you all of the direction you need with the punctuation it's like shakespeare and you need to just drive through without taking a a break because that's going to give you more payoff at the end of the at the end of the scene and Dave and I looked at each other and we just started doing the scene before he could dismiss us. So we jumped right into it. And he had gone through all the people in our class that had been put forward. He had gone through upperclassmen. And that was the first group. Dave and I were the first two that had the audacity to just jump, take the note and jump back in. And when, That's we, finished, fantastic. when we finished, he was like, that is preparation. And he, <laughs> do you remember that dude because he turned around and you and i were like up top motherfucker that's why i got him it does preparation we were cut us now motherfuckers <laughs> yeah i love that so good. i love that so i love that because what you're telling me in that is you each made a decision and we're our company is called undeniable so you made it you made a decision to be undeniable you made a decision to not let him i'm sure everybody would I, I'm not sure anybody else in that situation would have been willing to get up and go on and not let him deny you, not let him interrupt you. And and you were like 18, 19 years old, which yeah. is like even more. So you, you both mentioned mindfuckery, which 
is a very evergreen theme on our podcast. And I would love to hear a little bit more about as you look back at this time in your life now uh, and you imagine, because some of our professors were probably the age then that we are now, what do you make of some of this? How have you reconciled some of what you now consider to be mindfuckery? Did it feel like mindfuckery then? Or does it just look that way in the rear view? I'm just going to, a caveat, a quick caveat in that I teach at the theater school. So um, I, and, and I, um, I'm trying to change the culture there a little bit. And so um, I, I just always am really hyper aware that like, we want um Say whatever you want. That's what I want to oh, say. Oh, we will. Say oh, me and John. Will. Okay. <laughs> I just, I, I know you will, but I always like to... The Vincentian <laughs> brothers called in the legal team, man. They're coming after Because <laughs> sometimes, sometimes people are like, well, I don't know. No, no, no. Don't worry. You're talking I... to John and Dave. Okay, great. Don't worry about it. Okay, no. John. So, yeah. Right. Go for it. Go for it. Mind well, fuckery. I... What's it all about? John, you go first because well, I know what I'm going to say. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I have no idea what I'm going to say. We're on a journey of discovery here. Uh, No, first of all, to your point, Jen, like I know John and I I admire him greatly. I feel like there's got to be five of him in the planet to achieve all the stuff that he's achieved. And the theater school of today bears little, if any, resemblance to the theater school that Dave and I and you guys uh, attended. Um, And that said, I don't feel like uh, the mind fuckery that I... um, felt I I was uh that I received was the result of uh, some jerk ass cadre of teachers sitting around in a circle and being like who can we fuck on you know who can we shit on today I don't think that's how it was I think the difference was there was a a, str- a greater focus on academia at that point it was like just giving your life to an institution and 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 a philosophy and an approach to doing theater that was uh, at that time, it intensely cloistered, um, didn't allow us to kind of step outside of the school. And we all, uh, to a certain extent, kind of knew what we were signing up for when we came on board. I had been in ROTC when I was in high school. Um, I had competed in debate. So I had kind of dealt with a lot of that stuff at the beginning. And I just kind of felt like when I was at theater school, as Dave said, I had a real attitude problem because I was like, I had to take on a lot of debt to go to that school. Um, my family came together and did everything they could to help me, but I, I graduated with a lot of debt. Um, and I kind of felt like, you know what, this is, I'm paying you, like we get to have a conversation about this. I'm, I know you're the, I know you're the pro. I know you've been doing this your entire adult life, but I have questions and I feel like I'm due an answer and a considered answer. And you don't get to just shut me down because I asked a question and I'm 19 and you're 54. Um, because I'm here taking on a lot of personal debt that I'm going to carry into my adult life and you owe me answers. Um, that, that's just, let's just call that an, an opening, uh, Sally and Dave, you can sure. go for a I bit. felt like, you know, it was the perfect place for me to train. The culture was uh, utterly complicated, complex, filled with nuance, lots of gray area. It came from a tradition steeped in some really uh, important and impressive theater movements that were more um, militaristic and disciplinary and really um, intense. I'll always be grateful for the tools that I picked up in the theater school to this day save me on an almost daily basis on sets because the awareness it gave me of my body and my voice and 
you know, the depth of my psychology to be able to solve problems on the fly and repeat, you know, emotional recreations um, was really important. I will say that there were conflicting philosophies and approaches, which is, I think, very healthy. One of the things I loved was that nobody said, this is the theater school way. It was like, here's the Joe Sloak way. Here's the Bella Itkin way. Here's the David Avcali way. Here's the Rick Murphy way. You go to these classes, you see what works for you, you see where you're doing the best work, and then you have to grow up quickly and you have to be prepared for this dog-eat-dog world of the arts that you're going to be thrown into once you graduate here. There is no, you know, um, kind of kind or gentle or entirely psychologically easy way to prepare somebody for the, 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 the meat grinder that is the show business. And so for all those reasons, I was incredibly grateful I think there were there was a lack of oversight when it came to um, mental wellness with some of the faculty, and I'll always um, hold them responsible for the fact that they allowed sexual relationships between professors and students. I think it's entirely inappropriate for people in that kind of power um, in their. It's unbelievable when you look back on it. It's 50, just, it's yeah, it's just when I think back on the fact that I knew there were teachers that we were meant to listen to and respect and regard and trust with our deepest parts of ourselves who were seducing and having sex with students, that breaks my heart. And, and I, I, I I would tell them that to their faces today if I could see them, but I, I hope they'll watch. Um, And I also think that, uh, that there Mm. was some abusive behavior um, that I'll never understand other than they were human beings who, um, you know, who were just people that, um, were, uh, that, that, that did, that did some things that made, I, I like to, I like to believe that they thought they might've been helping push us or, but some of the things that were either said or done, I go, man, that was, I can remember sitting with Gina one time and I mean, I, I'm a pretty emotionally <laughs> fragile guy, but I was like on, on the verge of, of tears of, of something that had happened with one of the professors that we both really admired, but also we both really kind of feared. And, um, and it was just like, why? But, but in all, I'm grateful because I'm not one of those people. I'll run into people from the theater school who are just carrying so much damage from that time. And I'm so grateful that when I look back on my time at the theater school, in all honesty, it's with a lot of positive, it is, it, I really go, Wow. That was an amazing experience. Yes, I have anger, frustration, pains about certain things that happened that I can't believe happened, but I do feel I feel like it really prepared me for the world in which I'm working now. I totally agree. And I I you know, I look back on that time and I kind of feel like uh what you know, I when I look at things that that I feel like have gone pear-shaped and that I was a part of, I always try and think about what what could I have done better and for me, I look back on that period, and I think that I was not uh, emotionally mature enough, or perhaps mature enough in general, to take on board everything that I could have learned uh, as an actor. And I'm talking about like uh, technique-wise in that program because I was so emotionally just kind of bombarded with. So it, so much of it is is subjective in the in the beginning, and we're going into a career where. Um, you may go up against four other people in your type or maybe not in your type who are phenomenal actors and you may get that job or you may not. 
Um, and there could be any number of reasons why you did or you didn't. And kind of trying to prepare a child, and let's be honest, if you're not in the master's track, you're still a child um, for the realities and, and the emotional rigors of, a, of what could end up being a, a career and a full life doing that stuff would be the greatest act of compassion that an educational center could impart to a child. And I feel like the theater school was like, that wasn't even a thing. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, not understanding why, you know, th everybody probably makes the case of like, oh, gee whiz, I was so talented in my hometown. And then I went to the theater school and I was like, oh, my God, everybody's talented. What am I going to do? But you're still in class with folks, uh, you know, all these hours a day, all these days a week. And some people are uh, become darlings. Some people do not. Some people back then um, were kept on after the first year, after the second year. And some people were not. And there were there were there, there were like major head scratchers about that, like to go back and to have completed two years and to be respected in the eyes of your peers and presumably in the eyes of your teachers. And then to right. get that that letter that, you know, maybe this isn't for you. Uh, to be able to to make that determination in another person's life and in that way is just it's it's astounding that that was what we signed up for. And I'll yeah. tell you, uh, I remember I'll never forget that was not really made clear um, prior to coming to the theater school, like actually sitting there on the first day. I remember sitting uh, cross legged on the floor and listening to Bridges kind of talking. This is the greatest city in the mind of God. And, you know. <laughs> And just being like, you know, some of you will graduate, most of you will not. I remember like, wow, that's that's pretty intense. I like I was not so clear on the whole half of you are gonna get cut the first year, and then mm -hmm. half of the remaining are gonna get cut the second year. That to me was like deeply uh ingenuous, disingenuous, because what was really happening, and again, the school is a completely different school now. They've dealt with this stuff. What was happening was they were bringing in free labor that was actually paying them shitloads of money to be free labor and then kicking them to the curb. They, I think, had a pretty good idea at audition which of these four kids were actually going to make it to graduation. Mm. And, and I think we had some idea of that, but we were literally pitted against one another. I'll give you one example, and then I'll shut up and let Dave go again. Um, we did uh, an intro in second year called Laughing Wild, and it was by Christopher Durang. And it's a two-person. It's a two-hander. It's a man and it's a woman. And what they did was they cast four males and something like nine females. And... The director never set the lines. So every night, it was literally these kids who still had not been invited back for their third year and could still be cut. What the? In a fucking verbal knife fight. Every this night. This is fucking crazy. Yeah. And, you know, it was the, the director, like, I still had really long hair at that point. Pierce had, Jason Pierce had really long hair. Uh, Brian Sharp had really long hair. And I think it was Hunter. Uh, Andre. Andre? Andre. Um, and it was kind of like Ilko didn't really like our long hair. So it was like, you guys all have to look the same. That's what I'm going for. 
So we all got our hair cut and then we commenced to like fighting over these lines. And what we ultimately did was probably pretty cool to look at, but it was also a hot mess. Um, you know, cause and he's damaging. Kidding. Damaging. Yeah, totally. Damaging. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it, it begs the, so I, I guess the bigger question here for me, and, and I don't know what you, you guys think, but um, that at 17, should we be doing this? I, 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 I really, I mean, I know for me, I'm, I'm grateful as hell. I went there. I was, I was cut and then asked back. It was a weird thing. I got a letter and then another letter. And then, um, so as a 17 year old or six, I was 16. Like this is so much mind fuckery inherent in the system. And the, when we went there, I mean, we're all glad we went, but like, man, kids, I don't know that we should be, if I would, if I had a kid, I, I don't know that I want my kid to be engaged in a verbal knife fight at 17 with Hunter Andre. Right. I, I'm just, no. I, I don't know, but it, whatever. That's, that's a big, I, I mean, I wouldn't put my kids though on the track right now to be actors because of that. But the real, the harsh reality, is that the business of theater and the business of film and television needs 20, 21, 22 year old actors. So to throw them into the best training you can at 18, 19, 20, 21, it sucks. But it's also like, it's, it's, it's an exceptional calling to choose the path of the artist. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's more, you know, not to be, you know, uh, whatever ridiculous about it but it 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 is like it's it's so it's such an unfair the world is so unfair as we know jesus christ turn on the news right now the world is an unfair place but the arts are so unfair and it's like if someone's going to it's it's such a complicated question because i do think like right at like 18 maybe that's the earliest if my kid said dad i want to do what you do I'd say you do as much community theater and high school theater and drama as you can speech, debate, blah, blah, blah. I'm not taking them to a damn Hollywood audition until they're 18. Um, and and if they want to pursue it, I would want them to go study and train somewhere like what the theater school is now, you know, at 18. But uh, yeah, and yeah, it's, it's really tricky. complicated. It is. Yeah. I will say it's that, true. you know, you know I, was, I was just going to throw this in. When when I graduated, I got a job working at Chicago Shakespeare, which was started like a couple months after graduation. And I got on stage with um, Kevin Goodall, Lisa Dodson, Greg Vinkler, Brad Armacost, um, all these amazing uh, classic, classic Chicago actors, um, stalwart Chicago actors. And it was the first uh, it was the first show in the in their new space. Um, so they had all these great people in the cast. So I got so lucky to be, you know, a messenger in that play. Um, but that was when my personal education in the theater, like, really started. Mm -hmm. And that was when I saw, like, these titans uh, kind of dealing with the humdrum rejection of, yeah, I went for another one at PR, didn't get it. Yeah, but it went to blah, blah, blah. And he's a great dude, which is a thing I've always loved about Chicago. It's like, you know, you get to a certain age, it's always the same folks in the room. And you kind of are cheering for everybody. You sit in that waiting room, especially PR, and it's it's always a reunion of friends. Um, but I, I, so when I talk to people, parents of child actors on sets, 
who want to know what I would advise them to do if these were my kids, like Dave, I, I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of like, you know, if they are still interested in this when they're 18, I would take all the money that you've saved for college, if you've saved any, and just fund their apartment in Los Angeles or Chicago or New York. Like, start them off when they're that early because they're four years ahead of the rest of the pack when they graduate. And they will have spent that four years learning at the feet of actual working professionals. Yeah. Well, the truth is when somebody wants to be this from the time they're five years old, which probably all of us did, there's no stopping them. I mean, you're, you're, we, we've heard stories of, of parents saying, please don't go study theater. Please do something else. And they're going to do what they're going to do. But so let's bring it back to when you guys decided you wanted to go to a conservatory for college. Was that something you knew all along? Did you figure it out later? How did you pick DePaul? For me, it was it was a it was the it was fate. It was um, you know, I it was truly fate. I mean, it was a it was like a miracle of God. And and to me, God works through teachers. It was the power of teachers. I um, my parents were a mess throughout my you know junior high and high school years where I was very much on my own in a lot of regards and I was a high functioning um academically you know in the in the in the in a good tier um but I was really uh excelling in both speech and football those were kind of my two strengths coming through high school and I didn't see the path towards um the academic dreams that I had for college um in in speech or acting or drama for God's sake, but I did through football. So my dream was going into my senior year of high school, I was going to be as yoked as possible, play the best game I could play, get us to state, get a scholarship to go to a better school than I could go to that I knew was at my hands with the amount of money that my mom and I had. And with that scholarship, I was going to try and become a high school football coach who, who ran the drama club. That was my dream for myself. Two teachers, my speech coach and our drama teacher, said to sat down with me separately and said, "You have something. You, we will help you if you're if you're afraid of of applying to like arts programs or theater or following a track in drama." And hearing that was uh, mind blowing. And they did. They helped me do the research. I looked at SMU, NYU, and DePaul. I did a regional audition and then ultimately drove up to Chicago and my audition was in front of John Jenkins and John Watts. I'll never forget. Um, I was there in cutoff jean shorts, a tie-dye Janis Joplin t-shirt and uh, my football socks. And there was a bunch of kids in leotards and jazz shoes who knew what they meant when they were saying things. I did it. My, my monologue was completely wrong. They said, don't do a dialect. And I did a, a scene from Equus. And then they we said, don't do a dialect. And I luckily remembered, does a tiger wear a necktie? And I just threw that out there. And it was fate. It was God. It was whatever you choose to believe. But then I got a letter uh, very soon after that, that. And I was miserable thinking about playing four years of college football. That's important to note. I did not want to do that, but I knew it was a means to an end. My brother was a collegiate athlete, and I knew the demands of that and that that was going to be my life for four years. But for me to get the education I wanted, it was worth it. Um, and I got the, this letter that not only had I been invited to participate in the theater school program, but I had also been given this, um, this, this huge scholarship, uh, wow. called the Stanley 
And uh, good for you, Dave. We're all happy for you. <laughs> That's my story. I am. That's my story. I'm done. <laughs> what about you, John? <laughs> As John just finished the story about the buckets. Of- hey, I, by the way, I left school with a massive amount of debt as well because my scholarship did not cover living expenses. That's why I had to leave theater school for a year to go. Dave, yeah, Dave wanted to live in a four-bedroom, three-bathroom house. <laughs> no. Oh, so it was in Los Angeles and It was not. What was our landlord's name? What was his name? Earl Bianchi. Was yeah. Lil the was Lil the place that was like right around the corner from Healing Earth Resources? Yeah. By yeah. like we yeah. The- yeah, that's the one where like a couple like uh, or an adjacent building had the uh the debt collapsed, yes, right? It was very close there. Yeah. yeah. And 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 the, the, the tanks, remember the space time tanks, John? The floating tanks? What's that? Didn't we go do that together once? The tanks? The the the, the deprivation, the sensory deprivation. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, sorry, John. Yeah. Yeah, it was right there. One of the oldest ones in the city is right there. Yeah. Thanks for um, um thanks for uh shitting on my No, dude, I'm no so happy. happy oh, so happy for you for getting a scholarship to DePaul. That's great. Um good for you. Um, <clears throat> I didn't get a scholarship. I, uh, no, we, n- no. So I totally very similar story, except I was not going to be an athlete, uh, ever. Um, I was in, uh, I was, a uh, in speech and debate in high school. I had not done theater since I was a child, like a younger child, uh, because I got, um, braces and my dad, who was a, a local actor in Charlotte, um, was like, there's no, there's no market for a kid with braces. So then I was, um, I think in about 10th grade, I started competing in humorous interpretation, which Dave, you did. Oh, yeah, like, I did DI. DI, DI. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I did really well in that. And so then when I got to uh, senior year, the drama teacher, and I had never taken drama at the theater, at the uh, high school, you know, she would, uh, she would accompany the speech team on debate trips. She reached out and she was like, Hey, you know, if you want to take this class, you can take the senior level drama class. And she and my speech coach, uh, Barbara Miller said, you know, you should, you should check out some theater schools, see where you can study. And we, I looked into like, uh, Juilliard I was really interested in because I knew that Robin Williams had gone there. But I think it was more expensive to audition there. And I somehow missed the whole boat on, you know, I think a lot of people, I know Kelly, my wife, um, auditioned at uh, in Chicago, but for a bunch of schools all at once. Mm-hmm. Like you the could, or the whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, uh, I came in like late January, early February, uh, and we stayed, it was going to be a big deal for my family. So we stayed at the Palmer house. Um, and I went and I, again, like, like Dave, I was surrounded by all these kids that just seemed so focused and so like tuned into this world that all of a sudden seemed very foreign to me and completely unattainable. And like, I was just completely a fish out of water. And, um, <clears throat> And I did uh, my my the, the drama teacher had given me a monologue that was, you know, going to be probably like, does the tiger, tiger wear a necktie or something, you know, appropriate for the locate for the venue. And I didn't you know, I we had done um, a musical called Runaways and there was a uh, monologue in Runaways that I thought well, it just really spoke to me. It was about a, a young kid whose mother had passed away 
and he was kind of like just mourning her. And I remembered my drama teacher being like, well, it's your life. Good luck. And, um, and I came, came to the school and we did the whole, like they led us through warmups, which was bizarre. That was Patrice, I think. Um, and then I did my monologue for like Betsy, I believe, and maybe John and possibly Bill Brown. Um, and, uh, and I left completely dejected and I told my dad, I was like, well, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, have a which is so I have to interrupt and say that everyone we talk to, I am not kidding you. Every single human <laughs> I've talked to says I left that place after my audition feeling like, well, I don't know. I think I bombed, but no one I've talked to has been like, I nailed that shit. <laughs> and I mean, and I think that's, well, that's, you know, it's, it, I, that's so uh, indicative of the way, like the vibe at the time, the teachers weren't like, they weren't there to coddle you. Right. And be like, good job. You really nailed it. You've really got a uh, chance here. Yeah, I think you're going to go places, said no DePaul teacher ever. <laughs> um, no, no, no. They, I'm certainly, certainly they do now. But, uh, but yeah, so we left and I'd forgotten my watch because, you know, you had to like all of a sudden, like, I don't, I think I just barely remembered to bring sweatpants or something like that. Um, and uh, so I forgot my watch. So my dad was like, I'm sure you did fine, bud. And so like the next day or whatever, he calls Melissa Meltzer and he's like, hey, Melissa, I'm wondering, if, uh, did you guys find a watch? Because, um, John, he lost a watch. You didn't you didn't find a watch. Huh. OK. All right. Well, uh, thank you. And then she was like, so how does John feel like he did? And my dad was like, oh, well, he bombed it. He, he didn't feel like he did very well at all. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we got that watch before we go back to Charlotte. And, uh, and she was like, yeah, he's one of, you know, we're sending out a couple, uh, a couple letters of admission right now or whatever acceptance right now. And he's one of them. Oh, um, wow. And I just could not believe it. And uh, oh, that's awesome. And so, yeah, it was, it was really, really great. But again, I had no idea what I was signing up for, because if it wasn't DePaul, it was going to be Appalachian State um, or community college in Charlotte. Because, I mean, I had I had uh, I was in AP classes and I had done well on my SATs, but I was not a focused student otherwise and uh, didn't have the scores to get into state or Carolina or any of the vaunted uh, universities in my home state. So according to my research, you guys did at least two shows together. Uh, at the theater school. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Um, was it I Got the Blues? I Got the Blues and Peter Pan? And Peter Pan. And we did, <laughs> yeah. we did the, uh, we did the um, uh, uh, Glengarry Glen Ross scene together. And then our senior year, when we were all very frustrated with the, with the, with the, with the plays that had been mostly, there were some really cool plays that were selected for our, our fourth year, but we were, we were frustrated collectively. John, his wife, Kelly, our friend, Denizak, a, a whole group of us got together and we put on our own production of Wojciech. Uh, we worked together uh, uh, doing that uh, outside of school and performed at a coffee shop nearby because we were um, determined to do challenging work that was going to actually give us a chance to, to do something. So, yeah, but while we were it, those first four years and then in the year since we've done three things together, probably or four. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Teacher was amazing. Teacher was a good thing. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. yeah I really liked it. I was it. so, I was so excited when, um, 
we got John. Uh, it's just putting him into anything is going to elevate it. As you guys know, you watch any TV show, any movie, any play, you name it. John comes into something, he's going to elevate it. But I knew uh, that that relationship, I needed th- that character that I played in Teacher had nobody else to ground him. He had nobody else to cling to. He had nobody else to like, to, 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 you know, make me feel any sense of, of my, the character's much needed humanity for the audience to get on board with him in those moments that John and I got. And John did a lot of stuff that magically woke up. It was a great script, but man, John took it to the, a much, a greater level with just, which is the magic he does. He did the same thing in animals. When I said, you've got to please be in my movie, please. I knew what he would do. And sure as shit, he did it. He walked in and everybody was just like, I mean, it's one of the best scenes of a movie that I'm very proud of. It's, you know, a 90 minute film filled with scenes that I love, but that is the scene I've probably gone back to, uh, more than any and i go god yes. I, i'm really proud of the writing i did there but what he did with little nuanced moments i've i've learned a lot watching my friend at, on stage and on 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 set and i will continue to i also watch everything he does obviously because he is my friend but also because he gets to do a lot of really cool stuff and um but i learn a lot i learn a lot from from you john i feel the same way about you man you i i gotta say Dave has always been an inspiration to me because of, as I mentioned at the beginning of our talk, because of the positivity that he puts out into the world. And Dave, you know, as he mentioned earlier, uh, went through the ringer with substance abuse. And um, I think it's less than 7% of people uh, who who have been where you were uh, ever come back. Um, and so to be one of those people who not just survived, but who thrived in an already incredibly challenging industry um, is just absolutely astounding. And to, and to continually go back to the well and create, be a, a, a force of creativity and, you know, your own engine and guiding your own ship um, while being, uh, you know, a partner and a father is um, I, I feel so lucky that I've gotten to lean on you for inspiration and to call you for advice. Wait, and I'm, or, you know, it's, it's wonderful. Like it's, I'm so grateful. And that's another thing. I'm so, I'll always thank God for the theater school because of John Hoganacker and, and, and so many people that have been instrumental in my life. And I think it's important to note too, as far as the friendships that, that were forged in that time, um, you asked earlier too, there was some, obviously there were some teachers that taught me some wonderful techniques and skills, but also really hurt my heart in some certain ways. But that was, it wouldn't be fair to, to neglect and not point out that like, I'll never forget if there was one person who actually did take time to try, I felt like in her way to teach us ways of coping was Phyllis for me. She talked to me a lot about meditation. She introduced me to some books that were really instrumental to my journey um, and like really wacky, like psychedelic stuff that I was really invested in thinking about at the time and really cool ways of trying to process depression. I didn't, I wasn't diagnosed at that time and I wasn't getting the proper help that I needed for my depression, but that was really, I'm so grateful uh, as well as, you know, 
the encouragement that someone like her showed. She was a needed angel at the time for me um, in a dark place. Um, and Bridges, I mean, I know he wasn't, um, you know, uh, faculty, he was staff, but that guy um, recognized and saw some stuff that no one else was willing to address in my self-destruction. And he showed up for me way outside and above and beyond the 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 roll call of whatever his payroll was or required of him. And, and his door was always open. And as a side note, he attended your wedding, I believe, yeah, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. And he attended mine down in Alabama. Yeah. And Dave's was in California. Yeah. He's uh he he was he for all of his shit giving and making fun of and and sideways remarks, there was underneath that this deep concern and love for the students that um, when I needed it most was there for me and is, is a dear and close personal friend to this day. Um, Oh, I'm all over the place now, guys, my brain is spinning. The coffee's kicked in. I'm getting emotional, but I'm thinking too about like you talked about when we first did plays together and I'm just having all these flashbacks of me and John, like I smoked cigarettes. John did, did not, but we would go out back sometimes when we were at, um, like on the fire escape at the at the at the Victory Gardens where we were doing, I got the blues and we'd we'd talk about this stuff. It's like God, just doing the shows was actually. You're right. That was probably the best education we ever got. Was just doing the work. You can hear it. So yeah. you can hear it in Dave now. Like some of the exuberance, but he was this guy when we would go back and and we would be out back and you know he'd be smoking and he'd be talking about like, Johnny Johnny I love you brother I tell you what man we're gonna fucking do this shit and one day we're gonna be so fucking big it's all gonna happen bro it's all gonna happen and you you just uh, you just can't wait man I love you so much it's gonna be so great and I would just be like I just want to survive fucking theater school and but but he has made like the dude has made it happen he sure he's has. Has. He done he sure it has wait i have a question i have a oh go you want to go beans no you, you go ahead okay i have a question about that because i'm always fascinated by two things the sh- the show quote showcase experience in los angeles for people <laughs> <laughs> as i don't know why i just love that because the stories are so mine was mine yeah. was insane i i thumbs I, down, I, yeah, thumbs, I, down. thumbs down i had a, a run-in with john c Riley that did not go well and then <laughs> oh, no. and then, i know the one negative interaction with yeah. john c Riley. That, and I had it. I had it. And then um, also resilience. Those are the two things I want to cover before we before we get out. Um, but my my question is about that showcase. What the hell was your experience I, like? I'll go. Mine's quick and easy. I was so strung out by that point, you guys. I was literally scrambling to find methadone clinics in Los Angeles and New York where I could go get doses so I wouldn't get sick from withdrawals. That that was my top concern. I did a scene with uh, Whitney Sneed at the time, who was we were doing this 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 really fun horror scene together that I thought would be a good showcase for LA. But um, I got no interest, no check marks from anybody, and then and then luckily uh, somebody invited me. I got to go over and and go to, to Universal Studios for the day. And I got to go to DreamWorks, which was cool for a minute, but it was completely unrelated to my audition. It was because somebody had in, invited me to go over there. And that was, uh, that was my big, that was my big, that was wow. my big, it was, okay. it was, it was terrible. And I was very close with John at the time, but we, 
Nobody knew. See, you guys got to understand. I didn't tell. It wasn't like John or my friends. They knew something was wrong with me, but it wasn't like, hey, guys, I got to go score. I was very good at hiding my suffering, and which is what made it was so devastating. I know for John and Kelly and my friends who immediately came, you know, like when I wound up in Kansas after I bottomed out in Chicago and they would come see me, he was just like, would say things like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And I'm like, how could you? I'm that good of an actor. <laughs> yeah, I, I lived with him and I, I yeah. didn't know either. Yeah. I mean, you know. Sorry. So, well, but that, that oh, sorry. Go, I was, go that, was my, that was my showcase experience. It was a big part. <laughs> okay. Yours and mine similar. Okay. Yeah. Oh, um, what about yours, John? Well, uh, yeah, it was Denizak and I were scene partners. And um, we, uh, no, 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 I can't remember. You guys did scenes. We just did monologues. We did scene monologues, yeah. D- Denizak and I went later for a separate um, for a separate event when we were like young oh, actors right. in Chicago. Um, but, but yeah, when, when I got out there, I, you know, I did the thing. I didn't get any, like, there was no love um, for me. And it was, you know, it was... Uh, I mean, it was nerve wracking to do the thing because you just you're telling yourself at that point. It's like, all right, well, if it doesn't happen here, <laughs> I guess I'll just you know, go back to pumping gas or, you know, whatever. Right. And um, Kelly and I had started kind of talking to each other. Um, I had like literally had seen her uh, outside of the theater school one morning while we were all gearing up for uh, for showcase and was just admiring her. Uh, and Denizak saw me admiring her and then he got, he did this thing that only Denizak does where he's like, dude, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> and then, uh, Shana, like around the same time was like, you know, I really like John and I want him in my life, but I don't want to date him. <laughs> One of you girls it should be you, Kelly, because I think, you know, Ogden was uh, maybe with Lisa at this point. Um, but uh, so somebody by our two close friends had kind of, you know, pushed us in that direction. And by the time we made it to Los Angeles, we went to a house party after, you know, the audition day or whatever the showcase. And John C. Riley was at the party, which I remember distinctly thinking was super cool. Um, uh, although the party just felt like, like we had all told ourselves like what LA was oh my God. Um, at that point. I forgot about that and party. Yeah. So I, Kelly and I, I were I like. up with those Russian girls. Do you remember that at all? <laughs> my drug, oh my drug stuff. And I brought like two oh Russian girls to that party that didn't even speak English. Do you remember that at all? Oh That's God. hilarious. Uh, no, I didn't so see because Kelly and I were there for like, I'm not joking for like 15, 20 minutes. And then minutes. you took off to go to the oh. hotel. And we took off. We were like, this is not, this is whatever. This is gross. I don't want to do this. And so she and the girls had rented a, um, had rented some uh, convertible. And we went for a drive to see the Pacific Ocean because Kelly had never seen it at that point. And so we're standing there in the dark overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And I'm like super like shy when it, you know, when I was dating back in the day. And Kelly looked at me and was like, now is when you kiss me. And, uh, <laughs> and so the best thing for me that came out of the theater school is my relationship with her. No, um, and no, you know, no. relationship yeah. with me. 
Oh. Yeah. Yes. That too. Well, you know, Dave. She's right here, so I had to. <laughs> talking, Dave, talking. I about... always liked her. I always liked that Me? woman. Oh, I, I did, I did a lot of scene work with Kelly. We never got. She's not really right here. You guys can stop. Oh, I really like her. <laughs> She's the best, man. So, Dave, talking about our apartment brought up a bunch of memories for me that I had forgotten about. And I'll just share one of them with you now that is really touching my heart. Um, So the thing about you is that you always possessed yourself as an artist from, I mean, despite, sounds like you were experiencing a lot of depression and despite problems that you had, you, one of your strengths in my mind has always been a complete, no conflict or ambivalence about being an artist. And you taught that to me. And I never uh, did any type of visual art in my life until we lived in that apartment. And all of a sudden I got into drawing and you were so um, supportive of I'm getting emotional. I'm going to cry. You were so supportive of me. And, and I remember thinking, oh, I'm an artist too. Oh, oh, so God. thank you for that. I the nights we would sit up doing like continuous. I was so fascinated. Do you remember we we got really into that trip on like trying to connect our thoughts and connect our creativity together and connect our imaginations together? And I was so so like into that idea when we would sit up late at night. We'd put a fire on sometimes, and we'd get the big piece of paper and we'd do continuous drawings together. Or you just start working and. We were there was a creative uh, thing that was going on with us that was so rewarding, and you contributed to the fledgling press, which I still have. We we published our own little zine out of our apartment um, that I would use the DePaul copy machines to get free prints, and then I distribute them all over. Do you remember Bur- William Burroughs, editor, found one yes. and and we got, I got to go down and and meet Burroughs and and. All of us, people who were like, oh, I don't write. And I was like, well, but, mm-hmm. and you did, mm-hmm. and we did. So I'm glad that you have that memory. I, um, I love, I think about that stuff often. In fact, I was just, I still have, it. it's right in my filing cabinet right here, all those old fledgling presses. And I was thinking about those days. And I, it's hard when you're a, a survivor of um, near, near death addiction and, and depression, because it's easy to just go, that was that time, but we know that it wasn't, and it wouldn't have been what it was if it had. And I'm, there were, even in the midst of that abject suffering, which came much later, by the way, it was about really into the fourth year. And that God, that year after I graduated, when I, the candle finally like caught up with itself and then I melted. But, um, that stuff, uh, was so clutch, man. And like the improving group that we would do at Finley's and like playing mm-hmm. together, Gina, like, um, I forgot all about that. Crazy musicians come play like their bongos in our living room and <laughs> trying to like spontaneously create poetry. Who knows? Like it was great. It was great. <laughs> we, we had a, we had a party one time and it was so cold outside and I guess maybe we had no heat that we hung blankets like in front of our door to try to create warmth and people came to our party and all they could do is sit down and be under jackets and blankets <laughs> because it was like 20 degrees inside of that apartment. <laughs> I mean, we survived. And I, I think 
the the resiliency factor and I get you've talked a little bit each of you about you know maybe the that you were in was it who's the ROTC and that you played sports where does resilience come from that you guys kept keep going and and sometimes it's spiritual sometimes but that I'm fascinated by resilience so there are so many times in our lives where you each where all of us could have been like you know what nope bye I'm not going to be an artist anymore I'm going to or where does your resilience come from do you think stubbornness Hmm. um you know it's it's super hard and and um I look at my career and I think about that how lucky I feel that I am uh, and grateful I am that I've been able to cobble it together and to make a living. Um, But, you know, there are times when things are slow. And for me, so much of, uh, so much of your uh, sense of self-worth is tied to your ability to uh, provide or uh, contribute. Um, But I think at the end of the day, uh, it's seeing myself as an artist and as nothing else um and being stubborn to the extent that i'm i'm not i'm not willing to let that go in the way that i'm not willing to cut off my feet and try to learn to walk again you know um it's just it's who i am it's a part of me i i I feel the same and i know john you know expressed this and john and kelly met at such a young age but when i met eve it was like we're in for the ride. Then it's, there's years where we're going to make $12,000. There's years where we're going to make $2 million. There's years we're going to make no, you know, it's like, this is, and, 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 and I'm grateful that I've got the partner who goes, of course, or, you know, John gets the call Monday, you have to go to, you know, uh, Quebec to shoot a movie for two months. And Kelly goes, okay, let's figure it out. This Eve does the same for me. So we're very, I have an incredible partnership. I have the stubbornness, you know, John and I have that shared kind of like, there's no way I don't give it. If I got told 99 times, no, I always believed in my heart that that was getting me one step closer to the yes that I needed. And I always tried to look at every moment and opportunity as, and also I think the gratitude that for me personally, which is different, um, than John, but having survived nearly dying and coming back, my trade, you know, when I got my life back, I said, you know, God, I, I'm all I'm going to do for the rest of my life is smoke cigarettes and drink coffee. I promise I, I, if I can have an, and, and if I could just have an apartment and a, and a TV and a VCR, and I worked like regular jobs for a couple of years. I mean, I knew John at that time when I wasn't even acting again. And, um, let me tell a story about you real quick, please. bro. Because I'm going to start crying. When uh, Kelly and I, we had a lot of Dave's uh, belongings. Like we had taken them on board when Dave um, crashed and had to go home to Kansas. Um, Missouri? I was on the Kansas side, but I was right there at the, yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, we were going down there to see him and we went and we took his stuff. We only got to see him briefly. And he was uh, beaten, but he still smiled. And the next time I think we got to see Dave was at Webster Place, and he was working at Webster Place. And what was your job you were I doing there at that time? The popcorn on aisle yeah. five. I was every theater five. Can you clean the popcorn spill in theater five? I was a DePaul Theater School graduate with a BFA 
in in the polyester pants with the name tag grateful to be making eleven dollars an hour um yeah and the and guys the the energy and the positivity you see coming out of dude right now was the same when he was standing there with the little dustpan on the stick and the and the and the you know popcorn around his feet like that was that was all there right then um such a powerful powerful force man thanks man thanks um, gratitude yeah. is um just can't stop and i'm so grateful for you guys i'm john you know i'm, I'm all, all three of you guys um jen you know you were there because you knew personally outside of all the theater school stuff my my therapist and the the the, psych- the counselor who helped me when i was in the mental hospital gina and i were there when uh when i was a baby and John put my diaper on and cleaned my little bottom and powdered it up. The big <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, I'm uh, gratitude is the best is such a great fuel for art because even when we go to the darkest places and we have to, you know, inhabit really nasty skins or really creepy characters that you think, how am I going to, how am I going to find any love within this? I think for anybody to connect with them, um, love is still, it's so important and it's such an important part of storytelling. And so for me that, that gratitude, um, it, it's fuel. Um, so thanks, guys. I'm grateful for today, for sure. certain. Boz, what did that, I, I know we have to go, but what did that bring up for you just now? Just like the idea that when Gina and I talk about this a lot, about the fact that our shame, the things that we think are so shameful and so ugly are the things that connect us to each other in such a deep way that if we can, if we can sort of um, not deny the fact that we're all connected in this way, especially having gone through the theater school and stuff, but even just human beings that um, we can take the shame and turn it into something beautiful. I totally agree. It's a huge gift. Amen. Amen. Draw us closer for sure. Well, we, so, thank we, you guys. This is the greatest yes. thing. I, I'm like, now I'm like, wait, wait, our podcast has to be at first. I was like, our podcast is just Dave and John. And then I'm like, okay, that, that can't be a podcast forever. <laughs> but I mean, it could, but that's their own podcast. But There's a whole other had, side like, of John artists. and I that we didn't get to see. Well, what if there's like two podcast. artist friends? <laughs> we will have to have you back. We will have to do a part two and three and four, but thank you so much. Thank you this guys has been so fantastic. Much. It's so wonderful. And, and, and everything that you're right. You said at the beginning, John, that like the stuff comes back, it comes back. Maybe it's 20 years later, maybe it's 30 years later, maybe it's five minutes, but the things that you two have clearly put out into the world are coming back to you in a way that it just makes you shine. And so shine on. That's all I have to say. You shine on. Thank you so much, you guys, for allowing us to be here with you together. That's super, super cool. Okay. Thank you. you Have a good day, everybody. Love you. Bye. I Survive Theater School is an Undeniable Inc. production. Jen Bosworth Ramirez and Gina Polici are the co-hosts. This episode was produced, edited, and sound mixed by Gina Polici. Follow us on Instagram at Undeniable Writers or on Twitter at Undeniable W-R-I-T-1. That's Undeniable Write without the E-1. Thanks. <laughs>